T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to Hardline. Here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Again, if you still have updates of anything going on, the power is back where you are. Maybe you're still without power this morning. We'll take those texts at 3930. And we're seeing a little bit of both. Joe, uh, a texter just said power just came back on in Elma, which is good news. And the power, however, is still out in the Lancaster area near William and Lake Streets. So uh, please feel free to update us as we go along, and we'll get the word out to everybody. And as uh, Greg called in uh, earlier, Joe, Greg from Greg's Tree Service, if you're out and about and you're working trying to restore power or clear trees, let us know what's happening. We're happy to talk to you on the air as well. Yes, and as Alan said, as we keep on saying, you go to an intersection and the lights are out, it's a four-way stop. I am amazed. I am one of the worst drivers in the world, and I know that. So I think everyone should just drive with caution this morning as crews are out there trying to clean up. And uh, you'd rather be late than sorry. I always say that. And you don't want to pick up a line because uh, it could be energized. So even if you think it's harmless, uh, don't take a chance. Another text just came in, Joe. Power back on at Transit Road between Clinton and William Street and Lancaster. So thanks for those updates, folks. Keep them coming. That's right, but now we will go to Washington, D.C. and speak to Buffalo's own Dave Leventhal. Dave, good morning. Hey, good morning. The the weather here in D.C. is sunny and calm, but the politics sure aren't, Joe. Now, are you getting any of those negative winds uh, from Baltimore this morning? Uh, We we had a heck of a windstorm uh, overnight, uh, woke us all up, and I suspect a lot of other people too, but nothing of the sort that you're getting in Buffalo. Uh, all of our trees seem to be uh, fully intact and standing and uh, power lines are up, upright and uh, not, not a whole lot of badness going on. So. Well, that's good. Now, Dave, let's talk about a place where there's a lot of love, peace, and uh, everyone is singing Kumbaya. I'm talking about the Senate, of course, who will get the articles of impeachment this week. We think so. And, and of course, everyone who, who asked me a question about this is saying, well, you know that this is like a trial, right? This is a this is a legal process, and I and I have to remind them all the time that no impeachment by design and by its nature is a political process. And what we've been seeing with, for example, Nancy Pelosi withholding the articles of impeachment, not sending them to the Senate, is part and parcel of that political process. There is brinksmanship, gamesmanship here. And although we do think that this week is going to be the week that ultimately those articles, two articles of impeachment, are transferred to the Senate, there still could could be some drama uh, left on that front. And we don't know exactly when to a day or even to a week when that's going to happen, although Nancy Pelosi indicated this morning that uh, it it would be imminent and that we are getting close. Yeah, she was on uh, this week this morning. And later on that show, they had the powerhouse some in her party are thinking that her holding the articles are a failed strategy. Are those becoming more and more members or just a select few? 
select few and, and you know ultimately it, it's not going to probably matter all that much we know how the story almost certainly is going to end and the story is going to end with donald trump being acquitted he's not going to lose the presidency as a result of this impeachment trial and that's simply because it takes two-thirds of the u.s senate to remove a sitting president from office during an impeachment proceeding and republicans control the Senate. There seem to be effectively no Republicans, save for maybe one or two, who are going to cross the aisle and vote with Democrats. So barring something completely unforeseen and completely monumental, there's nothing that's going to get Donald Trump out of office during this impeachment trial. The only thing that is going to get Donald Trump out of office is the action at the ballot box in November, and we got a long way to go there. Dave, you took the next question right out of my mouth. Uh, now, yes, it doesn't look like a two-thirds majority is going to happen. Uh, but just for uh, those of us interested, who are the Republican senators we want to keep an eye on uh, during the Senate trial? And two in particular. Uh, keep an eye on Lisa Murkowski, senator from Alaska, and uh, on the opposite end of the country in Maine, Senator Susan Collins, uh, both who've been, who have a very strong independent streak, uh, who have been labeled as moderates, although that may be a bit of a misnomer. Uh, but the two of them uh, could be interesting to, to watch. And they've been clamoring for, uh, to paraphrase them, both uh, a, a fair trial and have been kind of sending signals and, and telegraphing their position that they don't just want to see this uh, be uh, a wash, uh, something that, that's just going to be uh, up and down uh, without debate, without witnesses, uh, a, a proceeding that uh, effectively would just be a rubber stamp for what Donald Trump wants, which is uh, for this to end with him getting acquitted, uh, which, again, we suspect is going to happen. Dave, in addition to uh, Collins and Murkowski, uh, how significant is Mitt Romney in this mix of, of uh, Republicans who are pushing back? Yeah, you, you could add him, too. Uh, you know, Mitt Romney is, uh, and Donald Trump have long had a very tortured relationship. Uh, there have uh, been plenty of flashpoints uh, over the past many years, uh, going back to before, long before Donald Trump was a presidential candidate or, or president, and Mitt Romney was the Republican nominee. Uh, so the two of them, there, there's not a whole lot of love lost there. And uh, Mitt Romney, I, I suppose you could put it also in the camp of senators who may be willing to go and uh, vote for Donald Trump, either on one or both of the articles of impeachment, uh, to uh, convict him uh, of one or two of those articles. Uh, so at most, I mean, we are only looking at probably one, two, at the maximum three Republican senators who would cross the aisle and vote with Democrats. But that would still be uh, many, many senators short of getting to that magic two-thirds threshold, which you're going to need to uh, to get Donald Trump or any president out of office. And we saw that 20-plus uh, years ago with Bill Clinton, that you needed that kind of supermajority in order for that to happen. Dave, back to the uh, to Nancy Pelosi on this week, this morning. George Stephanopoulos did ask her about the possibility of Congress introducing more articles of impeachment. Is that something that's been discussed in Washington, or is that a very unlikely thing to happen? Well, it has been discussed, Joe, and it has been discussed ever since Donald Trump uh, was inaugurated. Uh, the notion of impeaching him on a variety of things that go beyond the two articles that uh, got sent forward, which is obstruction of uh, Congress and uh, effectively abuse of power uh, related to Donald Trump's actions vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Ukraine, but uh, or I should say Ukraine. <laughs> but uh, it, in any regard, it's uh, a situation where you've had Democrats and uh, Donald Trump detractors saying that, hey, you could have articles of impeachment about his 
business dealings. You could have articles of impeachment about obstruction of justice. So there are, uh, and that goes back to the Mueller investigation, which uh, we, you know, used to talk about uh, pretty much uh, every hour on the hour and has uh, become almost history now. But uh, the notion of a second round of articles of impeachment right in the teeth of a presidential election when there's going to be a vote coming uh, in less than a year seems to be remote at this point. It's uh, nice to play parlor games like that and fun for political scientists and junkies and whatnot. But I I don't think anyone, at least at this point, is taking that uh, too seriously where if Donald Trump is acquitted on these two articles that the uh, Democrats in the House would come back with another volley of uh, articles of impeachment. It, it just doesn't seem to, to be too much of a possibility at this point. Dave, you know, you, you know D.C. better than anyone I know. Say the president is reelected, OK, um, and he didn't get, obviously, kicked out of office by Senate. Uh, I know what you said about possibility of more being introduced now. But do you see Congress going on the impeachment route during a second term or just you personally, do you think that would be unlikely? Hey, anything is possible, and a lot could happen between now and then, too. Who knows what uh, Donald Trump is going to do, what Donald Trump is going to say. The two articles of impeachment that are going forward, those are pretty pretty much related to something that happened last year, not something that happened in 2017 or 2018. So it would be really uh, up to two camps, number one, Donald Trump himself, and number two, House Democrats. Uh, And that's assuming that House Democrats are going to hold on to power in the House, which uh, seems like a a likely outcome, but not a definite outcome. Uh, We've got an election to run. So predicting what's going to happen as it applies to impeachment in 2021, when Donald Trump may or may not be president then by virtue of the ballot box, uh, is something that, uh, that is far, far in the future. And we've got a lot to go between now and then. But You know, anything could happen. It would be unprecedented in U.S. history for a president to be impeached twice. But uh, we're getting into some pretty rarefied or unique territory in politics in the United States anyway. So who the heck knows what would happen in that regard? Obviously, Dave, uh, tensions are escalating with Iran after um, the the killing of Soleimani. And then this horrible uh, mistake that Iran is apparently taking uh, blame for and shooting down the plane. Uh, what sort of feeling are you hearing now, or what, what's the sense in Washington about these escalating tensions, especially in light of the plane being shot down? Yeah, well, I, you know, in a, it, just looking at the, the air disaster in and of itself, uh, the United States with an air disaster such as this, uh, whether it was uh, the cause that we now know is uh, related to uh, a military action, a missile being shot off, whether it was weather, whether it was technical failure or or whatnot, the U.S. uh, typically is involved in some way. That obviously is not going to be the case, given the tensions between Iran and the United States at this point. And Canadian officials, of course, are apoplectic about this because there were dozens of Canadians who were on that plane uh, who are now dead as a result of uh, Iran uh, shooting a missile and taking this plane down. So there are questions right now as to whether the crash site was tampered with, uh, whether there is truly going to be a thorough investigation. There are many international calls at this point uh, for Iran to be held to account uh, and for Iran to bring to account internally the people who are responsible for this. So it's a very fluid situation, number one. It's a very tragic situation, of course, number two. And uh, it's something that uh, is kind of a a very difficult uh, geopolitical situation, just given the number of different uh, countries and entities 
and obviously the tensions between the United States and Iran that are at play here, say nothing about Ukraine, which uh, the, the plane uh, was a Ukraine jet and had uh, many citizens from that nation on it as well. Um, Dave, on Friday, President Trump told Fox News that it would have been four embassies that were targeted, um, and that's really one of the reasons he decided to take out Soleimani. Uh, and then the Congress is saying that they were not briefed on that. There was no mention of four embassies in the classified briefing that they received on Wednesday. Uh, and I know that his defense secretary, Mark Esper, is you know making the rounds on the Sunday talk shows and talking about this and saying that that is the truth. Have you heard anything about this, specifically the four embassies targeted? Again, uh, yeah, this has been coming out, too. But there have been uh, some mixed signals coming from the White House and, and the Trump administration in general. You mentioned what Donald Trump said, what Mark Esper said. Mike Pompeo has been making comments, too, that uh, have indicated that this uh, could be in retaliation to uh, a U.S. contractor uh, being uh, killed uh, by um, Iranian strikes. So what is the truth here? Well, that will probably not be known for a while yet, uh, but the fact of the matter is the deed has been done. Uh, General Soleimani has been killed. Iran has retaliated, and we're sort of at this very, very, very tense detente at this point where very few people here in Washington right now, anyone that I've talked to, expects that there's going to be uh, some sort of imminent shooting war type of uh, retaliation by either side. But that being said, too, uh, a lot of folks do suspect that uh, we haven't heard the last from Iran from a military uh, or a terrorism standpoint, or Iran works through a whole bunch of different types of uh, organizations that are uh, affiliated with the Iranian government, uh, different types of uh, military and paramilitary groups, and they have long uh, caused a great amount of trouble all throughout the Mideast. Uh, so that could be another venue for Iran to continue to press this conflict. But at the same time, too, U.S. sanctions uh, hitting Iran uh, have, have been disastrous for this country for uh, on an economic standpoint. And you know, just the price of staples and the, the basics of life uh, in Iran are, are getting so exorbitant uh, at this point that uh, people in Iran are very, very scared about uh, their livelihood, too. So this, too, is a very fluid situation and one that uh, everyone in the United States uh, it would behoove them to monitor very, very closely. No doubt about it. It seems to be changing, uh, certainly by the day, if not the hour. But in our earlier conversation, we were talking about the senators who may oppose President Trump. We mentioned uh, Burkowski, Collins. Uh, I mentioned Romney. And Senator Mike Lee of Utah uh, voiced some criticism of the president, uh, saying he didn't hear anything specifically about the four embassies. And several of his colleagues did not, according to what Lee told CNN. Do you think that will continue to grow, or how do you think the, the White House will manage this, that the president specifically mentioned those four? Well, di different from uh, impeachment, where most Republican senators are, are going to vote in lockstep and are very unified and solidified, it's a little bit different when it comes to war powers. And uh, if you read your Constitution, if you look to the uh, initial articles of the Constitution, that spells out that Congress has a pretty significant role when it comes to the United States taking military action and having uh, a, a balance of powers here in regards to that. So the notion that Congress would be cut out of the process or be relegated to sort of tertiary status uh, when it comes to action being taken, military action taken against a foreign power, that makes some senators angry. And that is something that makes 
Democrats angry, yes, to some degree, but also some Republicans, too, particularly ones who uh, are on the hawkish side, number one, but also, too, who believe that uh, Congress absolutely has a a constitutional role here. So I'm not surprised uh, that at least uh, a couple of senators, one like Mike Lee, who definitely fits that bill, would speak out about that. And uh, Donald Trump uh, has never really been too terribly interested in involving Congress any more than he has to uh, when it regards things that he wants to go get done and do. Uh, He may criticize them a lot, uh, but uh, not necessarily is he treating them for better or for worse, as uh, as an equal in uh, the U.S. balance of powers and the different branches of government. You know, Dave, it's always interesting to speculate about what might happen. And when you talk hawkish, I think of Mike Pompeo and his role of um, increasing support in a Republican establishment that wants the U.S. to adopt more aggressive policies towards Iran uh, and towards Tehran specifically. Uh, do you think that this might be a way for Pompeo to set himself up for his own presidential run, perhaps in 2024? Uh, man, and, and we've had some polls come out about 2024, and, and we, we're talking 2024. I, I think we probably have more than a few listeners right now ready to bang their head against a wall that uh, here we are <laughs> with many months left before the election talking about 2024. But at least as it applies to Mike Pompeo, to your question, uh, he had an opportunity to leave the Trump administration and run for the U.S. Senate uh, this year. Could have done so back uh, in Kansas. He decided against that. So for the foreseeable future, he's going to remain in his role where he has a great deal of power and he has won Donald Trump's trust to a degree that most people within the Trump administration uh, have not uh, enjoyed, either those who are currently there for those who have come and who have gone. So he is in a significant position of power as it is, whether he has future political ambitions in 2024. Well, you know, that. one would have to presuppose a lot of things happening uh, now for, for that to be the case. Uh, of course, there's Vice President Mike Pence and plenty of other Republicans who would uh, likely want to vie in 2024 for the presidency on the Republican side. Uh, Donald Trump would, uh, regardless of whether he gets reelected uh, or loses in November, there will be another Republican running in 2024. So I put Mike Pompeo and probably about 20. 30 others who conceivably could uh, could run four plus years from now. Dave, you know, the president's Twitter, always um, a point of discussion. Yesterday, he tweeted directly to the Iranian people. Um, how is that being taken and received in Washington, D.C.? But it was it was definitely I think it caused everyone to especially us reporter types uh, to look at their phone. I, I don't recall Donald Trump tweeting in Farsi uh, before, so I get uh, I, I might be masochistic in doing so, but uh, get push tweets to my phone every time Donald Trump tweets. My my phone buzzes and beeps. And so, what is your is your wallpaper just? Uh, Twitter alerts from the president? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this one definitely uh, stopped me in my tracks for, for a few seconds. Uh, and it was very clear uh, that, that he was speaking directly to the Iranian people in a way that he hadn't before, using the medium of his choice, which is Twitter now. How many people in uh, Iran are actually looking at their phone uh, waiting for Donald Trump tweets? Probably not too many, but you can very much expect that uh, that particular Donald Trump tweet has made the rounds all throughout uh, this nation of uh, 80 million people who have very, very strong feelings about the United States, about Donald Trump, and about their own 
politicians and a political firmament, too, with plenty of protests going on right now, Joe, uh, that are, are very anti-government and uh, pick up on uh, the protests in past months and past years uh, in Iran, which uh, in uh, some cases have resulted in people being injured, jailed, uh, and even killed as a result of uh, doing so. Iran is not a free country where protest is welcome. And Dave, one more thing. As you know, Friday, uh, former Congressman Chris Collins gets sentenced. Any speculation in Washington, D.C. of how much time he may get? It seems uh, that that jail time will be in his future. Uh, He could get uh, up to uh, almost five years, uh, if I recall correctly, Uh, although there have been suggestions that it'll be around a year. He could conceivably get less than that, Uh, but it's not going to be something where Chris Collins is going to go away for the rest of his life. There are sentencing structures for uh, the the type of situation that he's in right now. So this will likely be measured in months or a few years as opposed to anything else. Well, Dave, as always, we thank you for joining us. And uh, Brian and Susan will talk to you on Tuesday. I will look forward to it. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Dave. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Joe, it's uh, it's great to talk to Dave. He's so knowledgeable about every facet of politics. And uh, you can tell he eats, drinks, lives, sleeps it every day. And if we didn't have um, a clock that we had to follow, we could literally talk to Dave until the end of the hour. Oh, easily. So when we come back, I have a clip from that Nancy Pelosi interview he referenced. I'd like to play here on Hardline on News Radio 930 W. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a life cut when I went to it as this bump. Ah. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN, the final stretch. And Brenda, we have some power updates. Yes, we do. And keep them coming, folks. Uh, Lake Forest Parkway in Lancaster just got power. And I know that area was hit really heavily uh, overnight in this morning. And also another texture reports Wright's Corner, north of Lockport. Texture says, we had mighty winds really early. Calm down now with a light coating of snow on ground. All else is well. So, Joe, it sounds like things are starting to come together. Obviously, still be aware of any uh, downed power lines. Don't touch anything. Uh, watch out for those tree limbs and uh, tree trunks that might be lifting up under 
the ground because of the uh, unusually warm weather we've had. It can, can, cre- can create a real issue for uh, the trees and the area around the trees. So be aware of that as well. Yep, be careful and keep this all in mind when we have what could be another wind event toward the end of the week. Yeah, I'm hearing Thursday, right, Joe? Is that what you heard as well? Yes, we obviously will keep our eyes and ears on that. Now, we had Dave Leventhal on just the other segment. He referenced Nancy Pelosi on This Week with George Stephanopoulos. There were cl- two clips I wanted to play um, that he referenced, uh, and we could maybe talk about them. Here's a first one. Uh, George Stephanopoulos was asking Nancy Pelosi why sh- uh, Congress didn't wait for the courts to make a ruling. Here is the question in response to that. Again, this is Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, on with George Stephanopoulos earlier this morning. You made the point that the president has blocked the witnesses, and that's true, but some of your critics have said that the House could have done a lot more to exhaust the alternatives, to go through the entire process in the courts and get uh, to see if they would rule on witnesses. One of those uh, critics is, is, is a very important figure in the Senate, Senator Susan Collins. Here's what she said. The House chose not to go to court to enforce its subpoenas. So there are gaps in what the House has sent us. I don't understand the House's decision on that. So, so that how- isn't even true. We are in court on the witnesses. It could take a very long well, time. You pulled back the subpoena on John Bolton. Well, we at that, but on the other witnesses, we have been uh, in court, and we haven't uh, eliminated the possibility of ever subpoena and going forward with uh, uh, Bolton. But he has said in this two-week period, that was another uh, um, piece of progress that we made, that he would uh, he would uh, respond to a subpoena from the United States Senate. But the fact is, is that the President of the United States, again, quite different from President Clinton. President Clinton uh, allowed witnesses to come forward. President Trump has prevented that from happening. Why not wait for the courts to rule? Well, because it'll be, uh, how how long do the courts take? We We have confidence in our case that it is impeachable, and this president is impeached for life, regardless of any gamesmanship on the part of Mitch McConnell. However, uh, that could still come to bear. But we're confident in the impeachment, and we think that it is enough testimony to remove him from office. However, we want the American people to see the truth. And, and what, why are they afraid of the truth? So, if- For someone that is really confident in her case, that sounded like one of the least confident answers to uh, George Stephanopoulos' question. You know, Joe, I don't think Nancy Pelosi ever sounds that confident. She speaks very haltingly and uh, never sounds like she has the courage of her convictions. I I just, it really puzzles me how she got to this point in her career um, when there are so many other people that I find more impressive or more well-spoken, at least. Now, obviously, the woman is bright and has, you know, ascended the ladder, but she doesn't strike me as somebody who inspires a lot of confidence. I just, I don't understand how she made it this far, but I've wondered that for a long time. And it's not even a political thing. Uh, it's just the way she presents herself doesn't strike me as somebody who's confident or one who inspires confidence. And nope. I'm not saying this to be partisan one way or the other. It's just my impression of her as a public figure. Yeah, I, and, and she said they had confidence in the case. And so why not wait for the courts to make their ruling? And then if you really want the American people to have confidence like you do, 
Um, why don't you wait for that? And then maybe Senate would remove the president. Again, to me, and I try to look at this nonpartisan, but I think if anyone's honest with themselves, it's difficult to do. But I try to view this as a nonpartisan. It seems like this was rushed through the Senate, or through the Congress, I'm sorry, and now they want the Senate to do their job. They want the Senate to drag this out when they had they had a time limit. They wanted to get this impeachment done before Christmas, and they did. Now they want Senate to do what they failed to do. Right, and I, I don't think that she will determine, uh, Nancy Pelosi will never determine if McConnell is going to run a fair trial, because it's that absolutely will break along partisan lines. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm not impressed with this whole process. It does feel like they're pushing it through, and I don't think anything will change. No. And let's be honest, in D.C. right now, what you have are two parties looking at it from their party's point of view. They they, they won't jump out their party. And you even heard Susan Collins there, who is one of the you don't know which way she'll go. She's been calling for a full trial, but she was even calling out Congress. Right. And Pelosi, you could tell, did not appreciate that. So You should uh, see the visuals when they were playing that clip. Oh, I would love to see that. I'll be sure to check it out. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens this week. But it should be a big week, Joe, especially with the um, on a local level, uh, certainly with national political implications. But starting right here in Western New York, what will happen to Chris Collins? And then later, his son will be sentence as well. And it'll be interesting to see if he escapes uh, prison time or if he too will serve prison time, just like his father. And you know, we should be getting to a deadline where the Republicans are going to decide who they're putting up for that special election. I can't imagine that's too far away. No, because the election will be in April and here we are already in mid, you know, January almost. So and it does obvi- go by fast. Obviously, once that candidate is uh, announced, Brenda and I will have not only that candidate in, we'll have Nate McMurray back in. Maybe we can have both candidates in at the same time, Brenda. That would be good. That would be awesome. That would be entertaining, I think. So that is something to look forward to. I mean, we are less than a month from the Iowa caucuses, and then once that starts, it is just a domino effect. Everything is in full swing, and like Brenda said, the primaries here in April, Super Tuesday in March, so... There will be a lot to discuss on Hardline in uh, 2020. And we always appreciate your calls and texts. In fact, a text just came in about what Joe and I are talking about. Abuse of power is not a crime, says the texter. There is no law or statute that lists abuse of power as a crime. Nancy Pelosi also, Speaker of the House, I'm sorry, Speaker Pelosi, also uh, talked about Congress' reaction to Iran. And here's what she had to say about that. Move on to Iran right now. Uh, Several of your colleagues have taken issues with the administration's justification for taking out General Soleimani. Mm -hmm. Uh, They said it was designed to stop an imminent attack. And President Trump has said that Soleimani was planning attacks on four U.S. embassies. I know you can't talk specifically about the intelligence you've received, but do you think the administration has been straight with the American people about the reasons for taking out General Soleimani? I don't think the administration has been straight with the Congress of the United States. Uh, the, when I was informed uh, with the confirmation uh, that the uh, United States had taken out Soleimani, who is a terrible person, let's not be confused, and the motivations of Iran are, are bad. So there's no question about that. How, and again, with my intelligence background, I'm fully aware of the danger of Soleimani. However, uh, what we want to do is m- not escalate a war. When they called and told me, the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, 
uh, confirmed that we were involved in this action, I said, well, you should have informed the Gang of Eight in advance of this, this leadership and the chairs of the Intelligence Committee and ranking members, House and Senate. We had to keep it close. You had to keep it close. Well, we had to keep it close because we didn't want it to get out. What you're saying is you don't trust the Congress of the United States with sources and methods and timing. I think that's fair. I really do. In 2020, as divided as Washington is, I, I don't think Republicans can trust Democrats and Democrats can't trust Republicans because they're all trying to get one up on the other party, which I think at the end of the day, we're the losers. As American citizens. I feel the same way, Joe. There's just way too much of this. You know, everybody entrenched, digging their heels in. McConnell and Pelosi clearly are powerful people in Washington. And I think this whole uh, impeachment situation just uh, emphasizes how much power the two of them have. And in the end, it's it's just, you know, a fencing match. And, it, and I think in the end, our way of life was not threatened to the sense that our day-to-day life is threatened. But this kind of thing cannot be good for the American way of life when there's so much division all the time. For sure, for sure. Hey, one segment to go here on Hardline. Just a note for the on-demand. The first hour was time-sensitive. It was weather-breaking news. So on the website, you'll only see Hardline hour number two on-demand because hour number one, once we post it, would be old news. So just let you know if you're looking for the on-demand later today. When we come back, we will wrap things up here on Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. The final stretch here. On Sunday, January 12th, looks like people are slowly getting their power back. Actually, I think a lot quicker than uh, most had expected. So Sunday afternoon should be in the lights with some playoff football. I can't wait, Joe, even though it still breaks my heart from the Bills loss. I I still haven't gotten over that, and I hate to even admit that. It's really bugging me. You know, at first I did hate to admit it, but now it's like it seems most of Western York is in the same boat as I am. And I think it's because the way they lost. If they had gone yes. in there and gotten blown out, okay. But we had all been planning already, what are we doing this weekend for the game? And I you, felt that right. And I felt that way all the way through the third quarter. And then you could just feel the wheels come off. This colossal collapse. Uh, really, it really stings. We'd be a win away from hosting the AFC Championship. Imagine, imagine that. So, uh, on to the more... Uh, a uh, bigger issue at hand when it comes to the weather. We uh, got a note from the DPW commissioner for the city of Buffalo. Ralph Wilson uh, Centennial Park and Erie Basin Marina remain closed at this time as crews continue to inspect and clean up debris from the high winds and rising waters overnight. Approximately 2,400 customers are still without power in the city. About 20 trees were affected during the storm. Some whole trees, other branches or limbs, and about a dozen traffic signals affected uh, are either completely out or flashing. Crews are responding to the parks, trees, and traffic signals at this time. So thank you very much um, from the city of Buffalo officials for texting that information in. Uh, feel free to let us know what's happening in your area as well. I know a lot of people are telling us that the power is back on in some of the heavily affected areas like Elma and parts of Clarence as well. Joe, have you heard anything new on that? I have not. It seems Elma is uh, is back. I would like to know what's going on with my grill cover. 
But I think <laughs> if anybody uh, sees it flying around OP, let them know. If you see a Virginia Tech grill cover uh, in Orchard <laughs> Park, if it's past Orchard Park, I'd be really uh, impressed. But if you see a Virginia Tech grill cover, I did the Brenda. Here's the thing. You know, I'll admit I've been lazy. My patio, my summer patio furniture is still on the patio. But I'm. I think I used it to my advantage last night and put the grill up against the table and tightened the Good cover. Thinking. So yeah. I think my laziness might actually save my grill cover. It actually paid off for you in this case. I think so. Good to know. I by find the, in life that happens a lot. Yes. By the way, power has been restored at the Buffalo Airport. Uh, upcoming fla- flights are delayed and canceled, so be sure to check with your airline carrier. And the locales most affected by the uh, NISAC power outages, as we mentioned, Lancaster, Depew, Clarence, Elma, and Alden. So stick with WBEN throughout the afternoon, and uh, we'll keep you posted. By the way, I did uh, just read recently, Joe, that... Uh, an Iranian Olympic medalist, uh, female, defected and has defected to the Netherlands. And she talked about how difficult it is as a female to live in an oppressive uh, society under the oppressive regime in Iran. So she has defected to the Netherlands. Interesting to see as uh, the Olympics right around the corner. We are in an Olympic year which means I get to play the Olympic theme song this year. Uh, Olympic year and election year. There's a whole lot going on in 2020. 2020 is a, is a busy year. And as we mentioned, Brenda, in, in Western New York, we have a special election on top of everything. Yes, yeah. So that'll be uh, to fill the seat left vacant by the resignation uh, in disgrace of Chris Collins and NY27, a big, big region that uh, has a lot of folks vying for their particular seat in Congress. Now, Brenda, we, we lost uh, two prominent businessmen on Friday that they're legacy will definitely be left here in western New York. You uh, spent some time with Mark Croce. I did. Uh, you know, as you may know, I host another show here at Endercam Radio called Slice of Life, and it's more of a lifestyle show. It's a couple of interviews that I do within a half hour, airs uh, Saturdays from 9 to 9.30. And I had uh, Mark Croce on that show, and he talked uh, glowingly about uh, the success in Buffalo, uh, the jumpstart that he gave it with the Statler Towers. We talked about the Buffalo Chop House, Darcy McGee's. And at that time, the Curtis was just uh, really starting to come alive and come to uh, the popularity that it enjoys now. It started to become aware of that. So uh, it's a big loss, certainly, for the Buffalo community to see uh, Mark Croce die so tragically, along with his friend and fellow businessman, uh, Michael Capriato, who was quite a force in the village of Orchard Park. Uh, very sorry to see these gentlemen die in that way. And it'll be interesting now to see what the legacy is from a business standpoint. If those many, many uh, uh, commercial entities that uh, Croce owned and Capriato, if they'll be able to carry on and in what manner. I think when you look at Mark Croce, he definitely start. and I said this on Friday, uh, took chances downtown before downtown really started the comeback that we see now. I mean, you could say he was one of the people who really kicked it off. Fair to say that the Statler was the catalyst that I think really helped uh, kickstart that whole development uh, on Delaware Avenue, that whole business corridor around City Hall. And he owned a lot of properties on Franklin Street as well and uh, invested early when people just didn't see that. He really was a, a visionary in that respect. So sorry to see such a big mover and shaker uh, pass away. And uh, the city, I think, will feel the effects of that. It'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, and definitely thoughts and prayers with uh, his family as well as uh, Michael Capriato's family. Uh, absolutely. Condolences to the family. It's heartbreaking to see uh, when when. Croce was here at Intercom, Joe, uh, just over a month ago. I chatted with him out in the uh, 
in the reception area. He was here with his young son. His kids are young, 7 and 10 is my understanding. So it's heartbreaking uh, to see a dad die, when, especially when the kids are so young. Yeah, so definitely we'll keep them in our thoughts, and we hope everyone has a great week. Brenda and I will be back next week on Hardline, and in 2020, I'm guessing there will be nothing short to talk about. Definitely the Chris Collins sentencing will be a topic of discussion, and if I predicted far past that, Brenda, I think I'd be an idiot because you never know what's going to happen in politics seven days from now. You know, day to day, Joe, and I think it's fair to say from minute to minute, we're not sure what's happening. So keep it locked here on WBEN and we'll keep you apprised. Thanks everybody for your text calls and for tuning in today. Yes. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.